you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. It is good to be back Monday, August 14th. We are 19 days away from kickoff at the Big House between East Carolina and Michigan. It is creeping forward quite quickly. We'll be here before you know it. Of course, we're coming off our summer hiatus. We've continued to have coverage on 94.3 The Game as well as hoistthecolors.net, but we're back now on radio. We'll be on radio Every day, 12 noon to 1 p.m. here on 94.3 The Game, Monday through Friday. Of course, today we are streaming early if you're listening to our live stream because we got a big press conference coming over at ECU. Later today around 11, we're going to talk to ECU AD John Gilbert, maybe discuss some conference realignment in that. We'll see what that conversation is all about. We'll also talk to Mike Houston after practice, along with the coordinators, Blake Carroll and Donnie Kirkpatrick. So we'll have that coverage for you on 94.3 The Game, also hoistthecolors.net. But big weekend over at ECU. They're coming off their first preseason scrimmage of August. A lot to discuss there. We've got some notable pro performances later in the program to get to. We're also going to visit with Jim Zoki, the new play-by-play voice for ECU football, at least this fall. So we'll talk to Jim the second half of this program. And in studio, I've got Philip Pilkington, fresh off a uh, wedding weekend. Philip, for you and your friend Parker, who works over at ECU, great guy. Uh, so I know you're, you're still recovering from that, but you ready to go? You ready for some football? Woo! Yeah, I, I am definitely excited. Uh, it's one of my favorite times of year. Football is my favorite sport of the sport I grew up playing. So uh, it's been fun being at the press conferences the last few weeks, and I'm ready f- to uh, kind of get in full swing here. It's been, been kind of a weird summer, but uh, I'm ready to get back into the groove of things. It definitely has been, but hey, it's it's good to be back. We are live on YouTube, live on Facebook. If you got a question, comment for us, drop it, drop it on Twitter, tag us, we'll get to it. On the program, we're always open for discussion, anything you guys want to bring to the program. So uh, let's talk about this past weekend from the standpoint of a big scrimmage, Philip, for ECU football. And of course, the first preseason scrimmage of the year for the Pirates. And, And look, I've been around this long enough to know I'm not, you know, the first preseason scrimmage always is going to be sloppy to some degree, especially it just feels like the defense is always ahead of the offense. And I think we kind of saw that in certain aspects on Saturday. Um, you know, I talked to several people in attendance. I could not be there much like yourself. And, you know, it, it sounds like it was kind of a little choppy in points. You had some turnovers by the offense, but you also had some big plays. And defensively, you created those turnovers, but you also gave up the big plays. And just talking to people after, it's like, well, you feel good about your offense hitting some big runs, but then you're like, why did the defense give up the big runs? Or why is our quarterback – throwing this interception well then it's like well the defense made a heck of a play so uh i don't know preseason it kind of wears on you a little bit because it feels like there's so much back and forth between the offense and defense i think we saw that on saturday yeah i think you do and the biggest thing i think we need to look at as pirate fans is how does next saturday look and i'm not trying to get too too into the future but as you mentioned there were a lot of mistakes so if where both sides of the ball made mistakes the mistakes almost get flipped you almost kind of want to look at that as a positive. Everyone fixed what they needed to get fixed. Now, however, the downside ends up being everything that went right this week ends up going wrong. But when you scrimmage yourself 
only one team can win. Only the offense can win or only the defense can win, unfortunately. But the good thing is you want to see it somewhat competitive. You don't want to see one just blow the other out. And as you mentioned there, not just with college football, you see it at every level where it seems like that first full 11-on-11 scrimmage, it always goes to the defense. But usually that second one goes to the offense. Unfortunately, I think with this team last year, the defense won the first two. Um, so hopefully, uh, if you're a Pirate fan, if you get a pull for the offense uh, this coming up Saturday, if you make it out to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium for that one. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything to be too worried about. Uh, you know, it was really, really hot Saturday. And, um, you know, that just affects guys differently. I mean, I don't think it affects necessarily offense worse than defense, you know, all the time. But, you know, one side's always going to be affected more. And hopefully uh, come time to go up to Ann Arbor, it'll be a little bit cooler up there in Michigan. Yeah, I was going to add that too. It was so warm and, you know, you go from the practice field and the intensity is, is high there with Mike Houston's program, but you step onto the gridiron, the Dowdy Ficklin Stadium turf, and it gets that much more intense. And you throw in the intense heat. Coach Houston said it was the hottest day of preseason camp. You throw that onto a 100-plus play scrimmage. All of a sudden, after 20, 30 reps, you're going to be pretty tired as a player because that energy level is going to a place that hasn't been on preseason. The heat is at a place that hasn't been on preseason. I think that affected the team and maybe led to some of those sloppier moments at times. So I think you, you felt that on Saturday. So I'm with you, though. I expect this this team to grow a lot from scrimmage one to scrimmage two. Just like in season, they'll grow a lot from game one to game two. I tell you what, let's hear what, what Mike Houston said after – Saturday scrimmage he talked about that heat and so much more here's Mike Houston uh, our, our quick interview with him after the scrimmage make of a first scrimmage now so the uh, the heat decided to come out this morning it's probably the warmest practice we've had uh, during preseason camp so it was pretty steamy out there on the field um, I think it's great you know we still got three weeks to kick off but uh, obviously we got to get acclimated to some heat uh, I thought that really put some uh, some pressure on us from a standpoint of being able to handle it, uh, and that's uh, you know that's always a huge challenge in these early season preseason scrimmages. So uh, I think there's gonna be lots of uh, positives come out of that as far as you know being a little bit better prepared for the next uh, hot day we have. So uh, thought a lot of good things both sides of the football. A lot of things got cleaned up. You know, typical first scrimmage, uh, but uh, I think there's gonna be a lot to learn from, a lot to grow from from this day. Um, you saw some flashes of some good things, especially with the running game late. There's also quite a few turnovers, just some things you got to clean up. Right? Well, you can't turn the ball over. Okay, that's obvious. Um, I thought we I thought we did some good things in the run game all day long. Uh, we, had some, we had some big plays early in the scrimmage also. Uh, yeah, I think that, that room's pretty strong. But at the same time, uh, you know, you got to do a great job taking care of the football. Flip side of that, I mean, your defense is forcing turnovers. They looked uh, yeah. smothering. Well, I, th- I think that our defense uh, got a lot of guys back on that side. And I think we're playing very, very aggressive right now. Which that's you know, that's how we want to play. Uh, so I'm pleased a lot there. Now, I don't like some of the big plays we gave up, so we've got to see why those occurred and get those fixed. Well, we saw the kicking game was pretty good today. How, how do you feel about those guys? Well, we didn't miss a field goal or an extra point. Uh, converted all those. Uh, didn't really have a ton of pressure. Uh, had a little bit off the edge, but that's you know, that's where, where it's uh, you're going to usually have it. Um, I thought we punted the ball pretty well all day. We put them in some you know punting off the half yard line, punting off the one yard line. Um, so I want to look at the film as far as our return units, but I thought our coverage units were very solid. Back on, I think it was Thursday, you talked about getting the chance to go in some situations. Yeah. What do you think of those certain situations? Well, we, we, we got in about every situation that we're going we're gonna to have. I mean, other, other than two-minute and overtime, we didn't get those two today. We got everything else. So uh, it was good. I mean, 
We had a 99-yard drive by our offense coming off the one-yard line. That's positive. Uh, now, you don't want to have a 99-yard drive defensively. I mean, that's the, that's the thing about scrimmages. I mean, when you do something real well on one side, you know, you wonder why it occurred on the other side kind of deal right there. But, uh, you know, we had some sudden change there at the end with some of the turnovers in the red zone. Uh, so your defense is put in a bad situation. Uh, but we're going to be in that situation throughout the year this year. We're going to have to, you know, get a stop right there, try to push a field goal, see if we can, you know, get off of any points. So I thought it was great to be in those situations. You know, the coaches were up top in the box. So that was good for the kids. They are kind of out there on their own kind of deal. Uh, and that's they've got to get used to that. Hey, Coach, just off of the first look today, uh, can you talk about your defense and your defensive backs? Who stood out to you today? Well, again, I want to look at the film first. I thought our defense flew around really well. Obviously, Tegan had a big interception there uh, in the second half of the scrimmage. He's a veteran player. Um, I, I, I don't really know, but I would anticipate that uh, the guys that we are counting on played pretty well today. All right, thanks All right. a lot. Thanks, Coach. There's uh, head coach Mike Houston after Saturday's scrimmage. So, again, he was pretty worn out. It was a hot day. Some, uh, some back and forth by the offense and the defense. And, by the way, I want to say – uh, we, we had one of our interns there sent me some video of the scrimmage, Philip and, and JV's Bond, the freshman, I know you were busy. I don't know if you saw the highlight. He made a just sick cut on an inside run where he made both Ra-Ra Dilworth and Julius Wood fall down and uh, scooted his way towards the goal line. I don't know if they officially counted as a touchdown, but like he was in to me. But this freshman running back, Javius Bond, it sounds like he, he's going to play. And uh, I think he'll play a pretty big role for this this team. Yeah, it sounds like it. And correct me if I'm wrong, is he the guy who's the youngest one on the team? Is he the one that's only He's 17? one of the youngest, but he that's Antoine Jackson. Oh, okay. So, yeah, but still, it's, it's big to see a young guy, a freshman, come out. And it seems like the game, because I did see that highlight, yeah. um, a lot of guys struggle to adapt to the speed more so than even the knowledge sometimes. But it looks like to him the game has already slowed down for him. It's happening at the same pace in his head that it was happening in high school. And uh, I think that's a big thing. And, you know, running back room is one of those things. As much as I would love to see Rajay have triple digits every game, you want to keep these guys fresh. You want to keep them healthy. And the more guys that you can cycle in at running back, um, you know, the better you're going to be. So I'd love to see him get some uh, reps. The only thing I haven't seen him do yet lately or yet at all is block. And yeah. that's, that is part of playing the running back position. No block, no rock. So hopefully he can block as well as he can. Or if he can block half as well as he can run, uh, this pirate backfield will be in a good spot. But he does add depth to what I already thought was a very good backfield. So it's uh, big to see a young guy out there stepping up. Yeah, just watching some practice and some, some live work. I, I honestly think he may be one of the best explosive playmakers on the team. Just like they're going to have to find a way to get the ball in his hands because I'm not going to say he's Keaton Mitchell, but he does remind me of Keaton in some aspects. And I don't want to put that pressure on him like he's going to go out and run for a thousand yards. But I think you just got to find a way to get him in space. And he is a smaller, more elusive back with home run speed and, and really looking forward to seeing what he can do this year as a freshman. Another guy who had a big play. During Saturday's scrimmage was Tegan Wilk. The safety had a pick six. At least it was called a pick six by those in attendance. There was some debate over whether or not these plays were blown dead before they uh, – because once once the guy picks it off, they basically blow it dead when he's touched. They don't allow, allow a lot of tackling once the defensive player gets a pick to prevent injuries. But sounds like it would have been a pick six. But here's Tegan Wilk talking about that play and recapping the defense's performance in scrimmage number one. Yeah, just put on a sports bra. <laughs> Good times. 
Good job, Tegan. Is that good? Who am I starting with? First scrimmage, what'd you think? Uh, good on both sides. Uh, they obviously have big plays here and there. Um, I think the defense really, really uh, stayed strong uh, throughout like, the, middle, the middle areas of the game, but uh, we were pretty bad with Reds on the um, But our offense handled everything well. Uh, tempo was good. Um, our running backs ran hard. Receivers were catching balls. Uh, so overall, I think it was a pretty good day. What about your pick six? Tell us about what happened in that one. Yeah, I mean, we were just reading the quarterback's eyes. Uh, I had had a lot of help from uh, Jordan Huff on the outside. Uh, he's actually really the reason I made that play. But um, yeah, took it off and has blocks. Took it to the crib. Coach Harrell always talks about creating chaos and creating turnovers. What have you seen from a lot of the new guys stepping up into roles on defense about continuing that? Yeah, I mean, that's huge. Uh, you got to think Coach Harrell, Harrell's guys were like, are the seniors now. Uh, we were all Coach Harrell's guys coming in. Um, so we just pushed that mindset to the young guys, and I think they really took that to heart. Um, and I think they play uh, how our ones and twos uh, really play, and it's fast, physical, energetic. Uh, if one person makes a play, we all make a play. Um, I think we saw that today from the sideline and everybody else's reactions to some big plays. Who are the guys behind you and Julius here excited about younger guys? Yeah, uh, behind me right now is Devin King, Omar Rogers. Um, and Josh Benton. Uh, we brought a new safety pinball. Uh, I mean, they're, they're all going to develop good. Uh, it, right now, it's just who can make the calls and who can get lined up. Because everybody, everybody that is behind me and behind Julius are, are playmakers right now. Um, I think the communication is going great with me, Julius, and every other safety that, uh, that's in there. I know Devin is ready to step up for that bigger role. Um, I know Omar coming from Elon. He was an All-American at Elon, so you already know he's his mindset is there, um, especially for the first game at Michigan to put on a show. Defense played with a lot of intensity today. What do you see you can credit for that? Everyone. There's not one person, like I said before, that those young guys took took what we said and took the energy um, and really brought that to, to heart. And I don't know if you even know if you've seen on my pick, but there were like five guys down there. And I, this was long practice, John, two hours. So everybody was tired, but you still got five people in the end zone at least uh, coming true for you. And I, I, I got to give a shout out to Pinball because every time that I make a play, I always see him. But it, it, it's the young guys, man. They, they, they took that in and they brought that to heart. Super energetic. Huge. Uh, yeah, we're back here. Uh, there's Tegan Wilk talking after ECU football scrimmage on Saturday. And uh, lastly, another leader. On the offensive side, Shane Calhoun, tight end, ECU tight end, heading into his fourth year in the program. We also caught up with him to recap his perspective on the scrimmage, how it went uh, from the offensive standpoint. First scrimmage done. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think we need to clean up a little bit. You know, offensively, I think we started off fine. Uh, had some good, you know, opportunities running the football, but, you know, as the game went on, it kind of got a little sloppy. You know, we got to look at ourselves in the mirror and clean some things up. As a guy that's been around this program for a while, what do you say to your teammates about cleaning it up and about making that progress? You know, as an older guy in this program, I think, you know, it's my job to uphold the standard. You know, if I keep going hard and doing things the right way, I think the young guys will follow my lead. So I just say, you know, keep your head down, keep working hard, and things will work itself out. What do you say to some of those young guys who really felt the heat today and you guys went through a long, full scrimmage? You know, it's a grind. You know, every day is a grind out here, especially when it's hot, you know, sunny, be good weather today. So, you know, I just say to them, keep doing your thing, you know, stay grounded and, you know, things will come your way eventually. 
have you seen Mason grow uh, throughout his years and throughout this fall camp so far? Uh, Mason's been playing really well. You know, we have two good quarterbacks and Mason and Flynn. Uh, Mason's showing he can be the guy this year, and, you know, he keeps growing every day as fall camp goes on. You see Holton's uh, touchdown? What you think of that? Too? I did. It was pretty cool. You know, it's good seeing Holton on the big screen. You know, he deserves everything that's came to him. You know, he's worked hard for it. Course the next few weeks, what are some of the things that you want to work on, especially with this offense, to try and make it a more cohesive unit? Uh, me personally, you know, I want to be more of a leader. You know, on days like this when it's hot and people, you know, are falling down, I want to be more vocal and you know just pick up the team, pick up the offense, keep the guys going like that. Um, me personally, I want to work on you know just little things, keeping everything tight. You know, my fundamentals and things will work out. All right, there's ECU tight end Shane Calhoun, and there was the last interview from Saturday Scrimmage. And again, we'll have a ton more player interviews this coming Saturday, Philip is Media Day, so we're going to have a lot of coverage from that. We'll get up with a lot of players, assistant coaches. And again, after practice today, stay tuned to our social media pages on Hoist the Colors and 94.3 The Game for coverage from John Gilbert. Uh, also from coordinators, Donnie Kirkpatrick, Blake Carroll. It'll be interesting to see what type of mood they're in coming off the first scrimmage, uh, especially Donnie. You know, he usually tells it like it is, uh, the, the ECU offensive coordinator. So I'm sure he'll have some good and, and great things to say. And we'll also have a visit with Coach Houston as well. So a ton coming your way after practice today. And again, first scrimmage, I personally don't take a whole lot from it. And it sounds like the second scrimmage may be closed to the public entirely. So I don't know what we'll find out. I'm sure we'll get some stuff. Uh, but two weeks out from kickoff, as of uh, this coming Saturday, I don't, you know, I'm not surprised that they would close it up entirely because at that point you're basically work, working on Michigan prep, I would think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Coach Houston did say about two weeks out is when they're going to put in, you know, really work on Michigan themselves. So I'm thinking this will be their last week of wonder 100% focused on us, and they're going to let the cat out of the bag, do everything that they are planning on doing this Saturday. You know, this Saturday they're going to do everything they're planning on doing for the season, sorry, so uh, so that they can get started on Michigan next Monday. So, again, like you said, you don't really want other people being able to have any access to see anything because I don't think there's going to be much install uh, next week. All right, let's get our first break in on the other side. We've got our new segment, Pirate of the Week. We'll tell you about that. Brought to you by East Coast Agency. We'll get into that. We're also going to recap some Pirates uh, pro performances, some big performances and pro debuts from some NFL guys who are in their first year. We'll recap that as well. And then Jim Zoki, the new play-by-play voice for ECU football, coming up later in the show as well. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Here there be Pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go. How good is this on 94.3 The Game? All right, welcome back into the program. It is Monday, August 14th. We are back. Hoist the Colors is back. Philip Pilkington is in studio. We got Jim Zoki coming up in a little bit. But right now, we're going to run through some significant pro performances from this past weekend. And first, I want to present our Pirate of the Week. East Coast Agency brings you our Pirate of the Week. This is a new segment here on Hoist the Colors. Uh, Hurricane Florence hit North Carolina in September of 2018 and brought with it an estimated $17 billion in damage statewide. Neighborhoods and businesses were severely damaged and insurance losses reached the billions. Storm season lasts until November, so it's important to make sure you have the right coverage. Are you ready for a storm to hit? Visit East Coast Agency at eca-insure.com or call at 910-446-5061. It doesn't matter who your insurance agent is until it does. So check out East Coast Agency. Great support of the program. Thanks to Tim for supporting us here at Hoist Colors 94.3 The Game 
and Interbanks Media. So our Pirate of the Week, none other than a former Pirate, Gavin Williams, Philip Pilkington. This guy is on absolute fire over his last two starts in the last week. Just absolute dominant numbers. 22 strikeouts, one walk, over 12 innings versus the Tampa Bay Rays and the Toronto Blue Jays. He has allowed six hits. He has no wins to show for it because the Cleveland Guardians are a uh, pathetic offense and his bullpen blew it on Saturday. But Gavin Williams now really starting to come into his own as a Pirate. He is our Pirate of the Week brought to you by East Coast Agency. And just uh, couldn't be more happy for him as, you know, through 10 starts now, 2.0 or 2.80 ERA, 59 strikeouts and 54 innings. He's seemingly figuring it out. He is, and he's been really consistent. You know, his first outing was not phenomenal, but hey, it was his first outing. And then that outing on July 3rd, he did let up four runs, three uh, home runs in that inning. But if you look at just this month, I mean, he's let up three runs and three starts. Unfortunately, he's 0-1 because, like you said, the Guardians' bats are abysmal. But, you know, he's done it against good teams. You know, I say he's let up three runs here in his last three starts. Well, those are against the Houston Astros, the Toronto Blue Jays, and the Tampa Bay Rays all three of which teams would be in the playoffs if the playoffs were to start today. And the big reason those teams would be in the playoffs because they have good bats. I mean, not that they don't have good pitching too, but those are all really good lineups, really good clubs. And then, uh, you know, you look back, he only let up two against the um, Texas Rangers back on July 15th. That is one of the most dominant lineups in Major League Baseball right now. He only let up two runs against them. It's just been phenomenal to watch him. I haven't been able to watch every start, but I've tuned in every opportunity that I get to watch him this year and it's really been fun to watch and it's great to see a pirate doing so well in the pros and honestly i knew he'd be good as far as striking guys out this early in his career but i, I did not expect him to pitch this well this early like it kind of surprised me and like you said the, the competition has not been chopped liver he's been facing legitimate guys uh le- legitimate teams and his stuff Saturday, I know you were busy with the wedding, but it was absolutely electric, man. He was throwing 98, 99, sick curveball, uh, you know, slider. He made Wander Franco look just silly at one point. Um, we can get into that story, by the way, at some point as well later this week. But either way, just uh, it's just great to see him have this much success this early because when he got called up, we weren't sure, hey, is this going to be a long-term thing? Or is he going to have a start or two and then get sent back down? I think he's here to stay at this point. I think he is. He's established himself. The I think the only person that is going to keep Gavin Williams from not continuing to be a starter is Gavin Williams. Because if he keeps doing this, who can you pull over him? I mean, yeah, I'm not saying he's going to be their ace. But, you know, at the end of the day, you only have five starters. And uh, this is definitely starter numbers in a major league you know, outing. Gavin Williams is our East Coast Agency Player of the Week, Pirate of the Week. So thanks again to East Coast Agency for their sponsor and support of the program. And switching gears a little bit, but staying on the pro-pirate topic, Philip, a ton of ECU players made their uh, pro debuts. You know, I guess it's it's always funny because like when you score in the preseason, they call it your first pro touchdown, but then it doesn't really count because the preseason, but still... You had Holton Aylers throw his first career pass for a touchdown at the professional level. Isaiah Winstead had two catches last night for the 49ers. Ryan Jones had a catch over the weekend for the Giants. Uh, Keaton Mitchell had a touchdown that was not counted because it was called back due to holding. Those were the four undrafted rookies 
that had big performances. Uh, if you just search Keaton Mitchell Ravens, uh, Ravens country is loving Keaton Mitchell right now. What did you make of those four guys, their undrafted performances that didn't stand out to you? Yeah, I think definitely uh, that that run by Keaton just proved the explosiveness yeah. that he can be, and I think that's what the Ravens need in their offense. Um, and then I watched Holton, and he looked smart. You know, uh, he only completed four passes; he only threw four passes. And you know, that touchdown was a little underthrown, and a lot of the other ones were shovel passes, but they were the mature thing to do and it just reiterates what we've always talked about Holton Aylers not that he doesn't have arm talent not that he's not a good quarterback but that how smart he is is really what's gotten him to where he is right now and I really saw a very mature performance you know quarterbacks a lot of times they get out there they get happy feet the game's fast for them well the NFL game did not look too fast for Holton Aylers this weekend yeah and I thought for for his first performance and also working with the third team O-line it's the third team O-line for a reason. Uh, you know, everybody gave him a hard time about his touchdown pass, which, you know, was a bit of a prayer, but he also just had to get rid of the ball, man. He was getting smacked. He got smacked. He didn't have much time to throw, so you would like to see him maybe get a little bit more quality work with the second team O-line. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but all he can do is go in there and do his best. Uh, it was good to see a Wednesday get a few catches, and again, Keaton doing his thing, and if they keep Melvin Gordon over Keaton Mitchell in, in Baltimore, I'm going to be upset. As a Broncos fan, I've seen plenty of Melvin Gordon. I can promise you Keaton Mitchell uh, offers a much higher upside, uh, especially with Melvin Gordon's fumbling problems. Oh, I was about to say that. I was about to say, you, you don't <laughs> yeah. like guys who fumble the ball? I mean, that yeah. gives good highlights for the opposing defense. Every right? single big moment in his Broncos career, he was fumbling <laughs> the football. Uh, other guys in the league. So Deontay Smith, this is a critical uh, preseason for him. This is his third year in the NFL. He's been on the active roster for Cincinnati as a former fourth-round pick, but hasn't really played a lot. He had 50-plus snaps on Saturday. or It was either Friday or Saturday the Bengals played, and he played left tackle, right tackle. He's got to continue to come along to stir up his roster spot. Uh, Blake Pro in his third year had one catch for, I believe, uh, two yards in the Vikings-Seahawks game, but got a decent amount of snaps as well. The other big standout, Jaquan McMillan for Denver. He got the start at corner. And Denver, uh, you know, as a Broncos fan and following a lot of Broncos media, a lot of love right now for Jaquan McMillan in Denver. And, and honestly, I think there's a chance he can make this roster. Yeah, that's kind of what I've been understanding. Obviously, I don't follow it quite as close right. as you do. But my roommate's a Broncos fan. My dad's a Broncos fan. So I'm definitely around it. And uh, they've been saying what you've been saying, you know, it's in that they like him there. And, you know, it's not what the media likes, it's who the coaches like. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, there's going to be a handful of corners that make the roster. It's one of the deeper positions on an NFL team, and it's also one of those positions where if you make the roster, you're going to see the field. You know, offensive line, you might have nine guys make the roster, but only five a lot of times are going to play. So I think he's going to have his opportunities on Sundays when it matters between weeks one and 18 to really go out there and show what he can do. And I think the biggest thing for Jaquan, and it's an unfortunate thing, but one of the corners Denver drafted already suffered a pretty major injury. So that – you know, sometimes as an undrafted guy, you got to catch those breaks, and he's made the most of it. He got the start in Week 18 last year versus the Chargers. Looked incredible, and he's kind of built on that. So as of now, I'm not going to say he's a roster lock. We've got our lock of the week coming up later this week, uh, later on, on Hoist the Colors. I'm not going to say that Jaquan Millen's a lock, but I think he's trending towards making that roster in Denver. So there's your pro update. Again, eight guys in the league. We didn't talk about Zay Jones. He is a roster lock at this point with the Jaguars. Yeah. Uh, but Keaton Mitchell, Deontay Smith, Jaquan McMillan, Blake Pearl, Ryan Jones, Holton Aylers, Isaiah Winston. A lot of guys fighting for roster spots, practice squad spots. We'll continue to update those guys 
throughout the preseason. All right, let's get our second break in. On the other side, we're going to visit with Jim Zoki. He's the new voice of the East Carolina Football Pirates. He also works with the Carolina Panthers Network. We'll maybe ask him some Panther stuff as well. But we'll introduce you to Jim Zoki. On the other side, you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo. On 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game on this Monday, August 14th. We're about to head out to East Carolina football practice here in a little bit. But first, we're going to talk to the new play-by-play voice of ECU football. He is Jim Zoki, longtime Carolina Panthers network analyst and host as well. And Jim, are you ready to call some college football this fall? I am, Stephen. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, ECU football is going to be... A great environment, obviously, but I've done you know a good number of college games through the year in addition to uh, doing the Panthers, uh, national and, and regional college football stuff. I, I love the college games, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Jim, let's talk about how this all came about. I mean, I, I did hear your name early in the, the process for the, the job uh, East Carolina as a possibility, and then obviously what happened with with Chris Edwards happen, kind of take us through, you know, getting uh, back involved with this and coming up with this agreement to, to handle East Carolina football play-by-play duties for this fall and, and walk us through that process. Yeah, so after the situation occurred, you know, I, I had had uh, phone interviews uh, prior to that and expressed interest in the ECU play-by-play job. And as you know, they're looking for, uh, at that time, someone who would be a, a full-time year-round director of broadcasting kind of position there. And logistically you know here in charlotte i've got two jobs i'm the sports director at wbt radio here in charlotte i've been there for 29 years and with the panthers as you mentioned 29th season now with doing uh color mostly i've done preseason play-by-play but just all the like you guys do go to practice go get interviews all that kind of stuff uh pre-game stuff uh that has to be produced in advance during the week so my interest was uh would it be possible to do something which in a roundabout way ended up happening uh, through circumstances was uh, to to come in and do the, the football play-by-play. And so once they, they got in the situation of having to look once again, uh, phone rang after I got home from uh, training camp practice a couple weeks ago, and uh, we were able to, to come to this uh, solution of uh, being, let's get into the season, let's do it. And then, you know, it's so tight timing-wise before the start of the season, there's really not logistically much anybody can do in terms of movement and so forth. Let's do the games, and then once we get into it, Let's just see where it all takes us. So um, that's how that came about, and and looking forward to being able to actually, I think, with my schedule, work out doing all 12 games uh, of Pirates football on play-by-play. We're visiting with Jim Zoki, new play-by-play voice for East Carolina football. Uh, Jim, let's let's go through your background for Pirate fans who are still uh, learning you and, and getting to know you. Of course, a lot of Carolina Panthers crossover here here in Greenville, a ton of Panther fans, so they're familiar with you. But uh, you attended Bowling State for college, and then obviously you got involved with the Panthers early on, since 1995, early in their their uh, basically since they got started playing NFL football. And walk us through kind of what got you into the broadcasting business and led you down this path. Yeah, grew up in uh, grew up in Ohio, Stephen, and. Uh, Cleveland area. Uh, thank you for Gavin Williams, by the way, up there with my guardian. I'm loving that. Uh, great player. And honestly, another ECU reference, I grew up in kind of the era of uh, when Bernie Kosar was quarterback and all that. I was a huge Ernest Biner fan. and uh, What a great player he was for the, the Browns when I was growing up with him and Kevin Mack at running back. But uh, yeah, grew up in Cleveland, went to Bowling Green State University, as you said, for college, got a degree in journalism there. From day one, worked at the college radio stations. And I'll, I'll just say this, 
Yeah, I like doing everything I do. I've done radio, I've done TV, play-by-play, colors, sports talk, reporting, all that stuff. I always wanted the play-by-play was my main thing that I love doing, football, basketball, all that. Uh, so that's my thing as far as, uh, you know, I enjoy talk, I enjoy reporting, I enjoy I do morning sports, I like uh, chopping it up on the air, having fun on the air. I love doing play-by-play, so that's always been my number one thing that I've always wanted to do when those opportunities came in TV or radio. So I moved down here, did some high school football in the Charlotte area briefly, then got on with WBT. When I got here, the Hornets had just arrived, so I got put on the second season ever of the Charlotte Hornets uh, after I moved down here uh, doing the pregame, halftime, postgame, and then fill-in play-by-play for Steve Martin and Bob Licht back in the days of doing Charlotte Hornets basketball. And through the years, I've done ACC games, I've done uh, other games, uh, was the voice. Uh, they only had basketball then of UNC Charlotte, now the Charlotte 49ers. Did that for a year after two years of Davidson. Uh, with Bob McKillop, who was still the coach even back then with the Wildcats. So a lot of college basketball. Um, so main jobs have been WBT, Carolina Panthers, but wherever I can pick up freelance stuff on the side, like I mentioned, I uh, love doing uh, any play-by-play opportunities like that. So obviously, Jim, there's an art to play-by-play, and you know I, I've never ventured down that path. That I have no desire to because I know it's extremely difficult. And uh, you know, I started as a writer, got involved with, with some radio hosting stuff. Obviously, hosting this show now, and I feel like I can figure that out. But I don't know if I could ever do play-by-play. So, take us through from your perspective. What's kind of the biggest challenge of, of doing that, and what do you look forward to most on a game day? You know, doing play-by-play versus maybe more of a studio or analyst role. Yeah, for me, you know, each sport is different. Baseball is a really slow pace, obviously, so there's a ton of prep. And uh, we actually had this conversation in the booth with uh, Nish Roth, who does our Panthers uh, play-by-play with me and Kurt Coleman. We're talking about, you know, baseball like, is a whole different vibe of just, you know, you've got to really storytell and, and, and weave a story around pitches in a baseball game. Basketball, the pace is outside of fouls, typically really fast. And so you have to really be able to call play-by-play and work the color analyst in as far as the basketball radio part, TV not so much. Football is uh, is kind of like right in between as far as the pace. I think I love football because you know you, you, you obviously with the spread and a lot of no huddle now it's a little bit different. They you know more huddle up and you kind of get to the line of scrimmage and, and set it. Now it's a little bit more standard. But I like the pace of, of, of football and just the just the, all the excitement that comes with major college football like this. And then it's really it's working the analysts in. And we had a production meeting last Friday. We were talking to Kevin and Andrew, and I'll get to know Maceo, is that, um, you know, you guys jump in. Like I, I could certainly set you guys up to speak, but just be ready to, to jump in. And uh, obviously, when you're dealing with um, somebody that's people are so iconically used to having the voice of Jeff Charles, and for these guys working with Jeff Charles and knowing his style, knowing his cadence, it's going to be a little bit different. But uh, I think everyone's got their own style, and, uses their own personalities. And I think that's what people tune into, too. I think they listen for the game. Uh, they want to know what's going on, and that's the most important thing. But they also want to hear the person who's calling it as you develop that relationship. And that takes a little bit of time. I've been doing the Panthers for 29 years, so people know me for that. But they don't know me for ECU. So I'm hoping and thinking it'll be a quick transition as far as just people getting used to and accustomed to, like, okay, this is the new broadcast team and uh, – Huge reverence, obviously, for Jeff Charles. Nobody replaces that. He is the voice of ECU forever. Uh, but uh, for what we're going to do this season, I think we'll have a fun broadcast. I like to use my personality. It'll be informational, of course, but I'm very unscripted. That probably will scare those guys a little bit <laughs> when we get going. But I like to have fun, use personality, interplay, 
weave it all together and and very much uh, not someone who's just like, reading through a bank of notes that I've got. We're visiting with Jim Zoki, new play-by-play voice for East Carolina this fall. And Jim, we were texting uh, the other day. I believe your intention is to come down for practice tomorrow and take us through the process of obviously you're, you're trying to learn the personnel, the team, the coaches as quickly as possible. I'm sure you'll be doing a lot of that this week and in the coming weeks. Kind of take us through your schedule and how you're going to plan to, to do that. And get to you know get to catch up on this team. Yeah, first visit to uh, you get to see everyone in person. Some I've spoken to on the phone, like Athletic Director John Gilbert I'll see tomorrow. Uh, some I've not met at all. Coach Mike Houston, I'll meet him after practice tomorrow. I'll see you at practice. Looking forward to meeting you in person. But I'll be out there for the full practice, uh, breakfast, lunch, meeting a lot of the athletic department, Ryan Robinson, a lot of the crew. I'll be meeting with them throughout the day. And, uh, of course, with Clay Walker, with Clayfly and the broadcast part of things broadcast crew will be getting together for lunch in the middle of the day so yeah it's gonna be just the first day this is just a whirlwind i've got panther talk tonight six till seven and i'm gonna make the drive out uh, to greenville tonight so i can wake up tomorrow hit the ground running and spend you know 10 11 hours out there tomorrow drive back be ready to do wednesday morning sports back in charlotte go to practice here in charlotte on wednesday with the panthers thursday we fly out play the new york giants on friday in our second preseason game uh, but as you kind of alluded to, I plan to do this two, three times. I'd like to couch it where I can see two days and one overnight of practices and all that, all heading up to the uh, the first game against Michigan. Jim Zoki is with us. He works with the Carolina Panthers Network, also now the, the voice of the Pirates for this season. And, Jim, so I, I covered the Panthers as a writer from 2015 to 18 in addition to, to covering ECU. And that drive from Greenville to Charlotte is definitely not short. Uh, it, it is a haul, but – Kind of take us through your, your plans as far as game coverage, and I know you'll probably be flying a lot of places as well when when kind of both teams are playing the same weekend. Have you talked to other broadcasters in the industry that do both college and, and pro as well to kind of you know get the, the best tidbits of information on how to handle it? And Because you, you will be a busy guy on the weekends, but it, it has been done before. No, travel is uh, is part of it. And you, I mentioned Anish Roth, for those who know, he does a weekly ESPN college football game, does a lot of lacrosse. And it's not unusual for Anish to join us on the road game day morning on Sunday, having flown in a red eye or catching a 5 or 6 a.m. flight and getting in that morning there. Um, so for basically a combination of different things. First thing I will say is, you know, when I was talking to, to Clay Walker, we we're going through the schedule was just the pure luck of what he called me of just lining up the two schedules side by side, you know, not knowing what it was going to be. And for an example, the Michigan game right out of the shoot, there is no NFL that weekend. They take Labor Day weekend off. So there's a non-Panther weekend. But as we went through it, uh, you know, ECU's got a Thursday night game. The Panthers have a Thursday night game. ECU's got a bye week. Panthers have a bye week. Panthers have a Monday night game, which won't impact the weekend. And as I went through it, I go, this is, like, weirdly working out, like, really well. Um, and so, yeah, it's a four-hour drive back and forth. Uh, but, you know, if you have a two-hour flight, you've got, as we all know, got to arrive much earlier than that to arrive at the airport, be in place to fly, and then, rental cars and all that so I'd, I'd almost rather just hop in my car at my house and arrive on campus there four hours later knowing I, I control that trip in my car so there'll be some of that going back and forth so I'm getting back late but I, pr- I, I plan on getting in like the day before each uh, game on a Friday since that's the first of the two games most weekends Panthers being of course the back half on a Sunday and there may, may be times where it's like a commercial flight to get me to the Panther game if they both happen to be uh, on the road or whatever the case may be but uh, my goal is especially like the first game to fly in the charter with the team to Michigan and experience all that and do that as often as I can is, is fly the charter 
And obviously, if it's a home game, uh, drive out there, be there on Friday with a four-hour drive, so I don't have to worry about traffic. My home game, uh, Stephen, will be Appalachian State, two hours away from Charlotte. So <laughs> all, all the games, of course, we play the Charlotte 49ers in Greenville, even though I'm here in Charlotte. Play Gardner-Webb out there in Greenville. Uh, so the closest game I'll have distance-wise will be the game uh, week three at Appalachian State. And your first game, of course, will be at Michigan in the big house. So uh, I don't know. Do, do you still get any nerves as a broadcaster these days? Do you feel like you'll be a little antsy for that one, or are you, are you excited about that one? I think, you know, not nerves so much. It's just excited, fun. Uh, I might have mentioned I grew up in Ohio, so I have a built-in <laughs> dislike I bring from Michigan right out of the shoot, which I can now double down on with ECU in that, that first game. And uh, I've never I've been to Ann Arbor before. I went to Bowling Green. It's only like an hour from Ann Arbor. So as a student, a couple times we road tripped up there to see what it was like on the big campus and check it out since the proximity was what it was, uh, but like on a weekday. So I've not been there for a game day experience to see the big house uh, in action. So I think it's going to be uh, a ton of fun. And obviously upsets have happened before that we're well aware of. I would love to see ECU shock the world. So I, I'm going to be excited and amped up because it's the first game. It's a big game. Uh, but uh, I don't. I, I guess I'd say I don't get nervous per se because i've done this for so long but uh i, I am going to be uh, really looking forward to that one that's gonna be a special moment jim philip pilkington here i'll actually uh, be one of your guys in the studio this uh this fall so we'll be working together some and i unfortunately had a, a wedding on saturday so i did not get to see any of the game i know there were a lot of negatives i'm guessing with a 27 to nothing loss for the panthers but one guy i was wanting to ask about because i've never really gotten a straight answer from anybody who watched the game but how did matt corral look because you know at the end of the day even though he's not qb1 we did trade up to get him a year ago and uh if something happens to bryce young you know uh which is part of the game, he could be the starter one day for the Panthers. Yeah, I think they're really interested, Philip, in seeing what he can do because they have Andy Dalton, but he's 35 years old on a one-year contract. And after being very good in Cincinnati for the bulk of his career, he's now become that guy that moves around every year or two as a that veteran backup guy. And he's going to be great for the whole quarterback room and mentoring Bryce. But what do you have in Matt Corral? He spent, like you said, a third-round pick on. He got hurt in the first preseason game last year with a foot injury, missed the whole season. I think they're really interested in seeing, you know, can he be the number two guy moving forward? So you're going to see Matt Corral more than any other quarterback, as you saw in this game on Saturday. Andy Dalton didn't play because it's like Aaron Rodgers. You know basically what Andy Dalton's going to be all about. Uh, so Bryce Young played the first quarter, and then it was Matt Corral for three quarters. I think it's going to be Matt Corral's preseason over these three games in their entirety doing the bulk of the work there. So as far as his performance, you know, a little bit uneven, but you know, the offensive line play was not great in this one overall, so there were some issues there as far as just being able to execute the plays. And, again, they're not running anything. That, as Frank Reich said, everything's vanilla. There's, there's no motions. There's no shifts. Uh, they don't want to show any of their hand before the regular season starts. So this is one-on-one matchup football out there, but it didn't look too big for Matt. I think you know, he looked confident in the pocket. He was thrilled just to get out there and play football, and so now I think now that he's got that under his belt, um, I like his potential. He's got the ability to run, and actually just barely stepped over the line of scrimmage. He was running forward through a, a dead strike on the run, but happened to be just a foot over the line of scrimmage, so it came back on that play as a penalty. Uh, but just a moment like that, you kind of look at that and go, okay, that's that's a special player that could do something on the dead run and pull up and, and, and shoot the ball off to the sideline like that and complete the pass. He is Jim Zoki. Uh, works with the Carolina Panthers Radio Network and also now the play-by-play voice for East Carolina football. And Jim, saw your your tweet with the pirate flag. Have you had a chance to get any you know pirate gear uh, t- to wear down to Greenville tomorrow? 
I have, so my wife bought the flag, and she also bought me my first uh, pirate uh, polo golf shirt. Um, I was tipped off that I'll be getting some pirate gear when I get there, so I haven't bought anything beyond the one shirt I will wear tomorrow, uh, ECU uh, golf shirt, because I think I want to see what I've got there. And if I am going to buy stuff, I want to buy it from down there where the huge selection is. So that's what I've got so far, so I was waiting to see uh, what, uh, what kind of swag uh, will be arriving when I get down there. And also, you guys could probably tip me off as, as the best uh, team shops down there and where to get stuff. Absolutely, Jim. Looking forward to seeing you tomorrow in Greenville, man. And I'm looking forward to working with you. And you do a great job with the Panthers. So looking forward to seeing what you do here with the Pirates. But it's been fun to catch up, and we'll see you tomorrow. Can't wait to get going. Stephen, Philip, look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. That is Jim Zoki, new play-by-play voice for East Carolina football this season. We'll have many conversations with Jim. Looking forward to seeing him tomorrow as well. All right, let's get our final break in. On the other side, we'll come back. We'll wrap up Hoist the Colors before heading out to ECU practice ourselves. Big press conferences coming up with John Gilbert, Mike Houston, coordinators, and more. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. The Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Igo. All right, welcome back into Hoist the Colors on this Monday, August 14th edition of the show. Our first in nearly two months. It's good to be back. Clark Willis producing. Philip Pilkington alongside. Clark, you you got your mic set up? We'll talk to you a little bit. Yeah, man, I'm here. All right, so you've been... uh, been experimenting with some press conferences, and uh, you were at you, you were at the scrimmage on Saturday. How are you enjoying the uh, the football coverage? It was actually pretty awesome because standing in the end zone was a rush without even having any uh, ads on. Right. But I'll tell you what, I give him all the credit for hitting it. I was hearing those hits, and I was in as hot as it was, and it had shut off my phone. <laughs> it <was> so hot, <laughs> but it's just. But it's been it's been pretty cool because you know uh, watching these guys perform and then have to talk about it later is pretty exciting. Yeah, I think it'll be even better once the games begin. But man, it just as somebody who if I leave my phone, I have a pretty old phone at this point on the dashboard, and the sun hits it, it cuts off. I guess that's what happened to you to your phone. It yeah. was that hot. Yeah, it was that hot. It said it gave, if you have an iPhone, you know if yeah, it gets yeah. too hot, it says the word temperature on it. Uh, and my favorite so far of the three interviews was Shane Calhoun because, I mean, it seemed more real to me because there's always work in progress. You can always make something better and there's always something to work on too. So I took that as like, this guy's, he's here to play, man. He's, you know, I don't know if he's a senior cause I'm learning every, it all. Yeah. He's a fourth year guy. Yeah, so. so he wants to, he wants to go out on a high note. You can tell. And he, uh, very businesslike, you know. He is. Yeah. He's here to work, so yeah. that that lines up with kind of the guy he is. So appreciate your coverage, Clark. I guess well, we'll see you today. Will you be at practice today? Yeah, you get, we'll do it all. all right, man. There you go. We'll be heading over to practice here shortly, Philip, and we'll see what uh, what John Gilbert, Mike Houston, the coordinators have to say here shortly. We'll have that as well up on our social media pages. So stay tuned to that. So any other big impressions for you? A week or so. I guess almost two weeks now in the camp and, and 19 days away from kickoff. Have you you had any big impressions from attending these Mike Houston press conferences as far as kind of picking up notes here or there? I really think that they are happier with the offensive line than we thought. You know, only returning one starter is is a tough situation. It's not only from an on-the-field or I shouldn't say on the field, from a during-the-play standpoint, a lot of that is 
pre-snap where you worry about the offensive line, you worry about the communication. Now, unfortunately, they have not had to communicate with 100,000 people yelling at them like they will come September the 2nd, but or September, yeah, second, yep, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, they seem really, and I even we asked Mason Garcia about it uh, some point last week, and we talked to him. You know, just how have the communication with him and the offensive line gone, and how have the communication amongst the offensive linemen gone? And they all seem really proud of it. Sorry, I rambled there. We're short on time. My bad. No, you're good. Yeah, offensive line, one of the major key question marks of this team. Four starters down along with the quarterback situation as well. All right, so this has been a fun first edition of the show. Back later this week, we'll have Riley Davis on Tuesday, the assistant basketball coach at East Carolina. We'll also have Bobby Harward, a former ECU coach under Ruff McNeil. On Wednesday, Hank Hinton will have a team boneyard update Thursday. We'll have former ECU football player Joe Sampson on Friday. This has been Hoist the Colors. It's good to be back. We'll be back with you every day at 12 noon. There's our timer. It's time to get out of here. You've been listening to Hoist the Colors. We'll be with you tomorrow at 12 noon on 94.3 The Game.